When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> what does it mean? What does toggle mute mean? Am I being, are you toggle muted? I don't know. No, no, that's just the Zoom thing. Uh, and it won't be part of the mute. It won't be part of the, it'll all be, it'll be something to do with the settings of the microphone come speakers. So you need to go into settings, is my guess. Uh, if you've just tuned into Zero Ducks Given, let me describe the scene. Daniel Norcross is, is currently joined at his house by the England cricketing legend Graham Foxy Fowler and Sarah Fowler, his very lovely wife. And the three of them are currently trying to get their computer working so that Dan can record this podcast. When the mic plugs in, Dan sounds brilliant, but he can't hear us. As soon as he takes the mic out, he sounds like he's down a well, but he can hear us. It's like David Attenborough. <laughs> no. It's certainly not. Three wise old wildebeest <laughs> are trying to figure out how to switch a microphone on, on a modern laptop. It's as they toggle the mute on and off that they don't seem to be able to figure out. <laughs> Honestly. This How is to the, make this work this in 2021. This is perfect. It's like we're stuck in a time war <laughs> in the 1960s. Also, Graham Fowler's contributing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is. Okay. So, so tell me, how does this sound? Yeah, you sound fine to me. Yeah. 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 Wait a minute. Obviously, speech. I'll be nearly finished. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been here that long, I thought I'd been on. <laughs> Hello, Finny. How are you, Foxy? I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> well, welcome, How are you? Welcome to our world, Foxy. <laughs> no, I'm good. It's been an entertaining 10 minutes, that's, that's, to say the least. God, you you need forced to me to out, crack man. open a beer, though. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm on the red. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's be very careful. What's left of it? You're a lot more sophisticated yeah. than me. It never works. This was really? <laughs> anyway, what do you want to talk about? Uh, we'll, we'll just chat some cricket based bollocks and, and then let you get back to your night, Foxy. I'm, I'm sorry to keep you. Uh, you know. No, no, no. This this is my night. Well, you oh. know, I thought getting Sorry, a TMS... It's my birthday you've ruined. Oh, is it your birthday, Sarah? 
It is. Yeah, it is. Genuine question, Foxy. In the history, oh, well, of... I can't hear it. Can't hear. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> we can't, can we? Right, hell. talk properly, Toby. Hello, 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 hello. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Why have you gone really, have you quiet? Gone really quiet? Finny, you talk. Hello, one, two, three, four, oh, five, six. Fuck's sake. <laughs> How is that even possible? It's a fucking phone. Are you are you are you winding us up now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say that the clocks go back soon? <laughs> I have to say, Foxy, even by our low standards, this is particularly chaotic. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible how it's just all of a sudden gone. You've put the fucking thing on mute, you. <laughs> that better. Oh, we're on silent now. No, no, sure. no you're not. <laughs> they were there and then they were fucking gone. Where's, where's it gone? <laughs> Where have the lads gone? Oh, there they are. There we go. <laughs> um, uh, oh, um, well, I used uh, to bat left-handed. <laughs> well, well, we could talk about all of this, Foxy, if ever we sort out the fucking sound. It was fine, and then it's gone really quiet. I know. I don't know what happened. It sure down as it just turned down his phone somehow. Well, I've just turned it up again, and it's no different. But there we are. You know. Unbelievable, right? I think. I Meanwhile, think <laughs> India have gone on. They have. They have. Well, I, I was going to ask you about all of these things, Foxy, but we're fifteen minutes into the podcast. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's that's fine. He's got. Right, stick that in. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Can you hear us? What's happened now? Hello, hello. so we're sharing a pair of earbuds. <laughs> there we go. This is this is this is you're so like teenage girls on the school bus listening to the Spice Girls together. <laughs> I know it's not. Look, this is technology, all right. I mean, it's amazing that anyone could ever do this. If you think back to when we were kids, Foxy, yeah, it was a miracle. That... Well, my, my best choice were clockwork. Exactly. <laughs> <coughs> okay. Fucking clockwork tonight. <laughs> so, shall we begin? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another professional and seamless episode of Zero Dark <laughs> Uh So, you may know at this point that I'm joined as ever uh, by the one and only Mr. Stephen Finn, the one and only Mr. Dan Norcross, and also we have got the incredible Mr. Foxy Fowler with us as well. Graham Fowler. Graham, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm very well, thanks. Not bad for an old git. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear it. So let me get this straight. So, so Norcross, who have you had in your house recently? You had Jeremy Coney staying for a bit. Now you've got Graham Fowler. Your, your house is a sort of halfway house for retired cricketers. What, why do you always have cricketers surfing on your sofa? Well, I've got, I got Raymond Illingworth coming, of course, next week. And uh, I think Dickie Bird's due the week after. I, I think they're just like somewhere to get away from it all. You know, mm. in Tooting, it's a, it, it's a rare and bucolic pleasure. 
<laughs> how tragic are these cricketers' lives, Dan, that, they, that you are a bit of an escape and a nice place for them to relax and let their what? hair down. Are you calling my life tragic? <laughs> I'm just saying if, if Norcross is where you go to relax, what do you do when you're not relaxed? Uh, That's quite a good question, actually. Panic. Usually, panic or go shopping. <laughs> so, that makes me not relaxed. Two, two very good pastimes. Now, Finney, does this mean that, you know, when you hang up your boots one day, can we expect to see you just uh, trying to get away from it all by hanging out with Dan Norcross in your spare time? No, unless he kidnaps me and ties me up in his basement. I won't be going anywhere near that house, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you like that sort of thing. A lot of people would pay good money for that sort of thing, you know, Finny, in, in this day and age. Um, well, <laughs> it's it's lovely to have you here anyway, Foxy. It's, it's lovely to Thank see you. you. Now, I do want to ask you, um, we were talking just before we started this mess of a record, uh, but the Indian cricket team's gone home. Now, obviously, yeah. it's a bit of a scary and strange time at the minute in the world, but not much scarier than the time that you toured India. Talk me through about your tour to India when three hours after you landed, the Prime Minister got assassinated. That's That, that was a pretty yeah, hairy... That was, that was an interesting one. Me, Mike Gatton, and about four others had spent the entire trip from London to Dubai and then from Dubai to um, New Delhi. We'd spent it in the belly of the plane, i.e. in the galley down below, playing cards. And the rule was, if you could see something, you could have it, but you weren't allowed to open any cupboards to take food or drink. So the lads were sitting there just playing cards, and I just drank, we all drank red wine from all the way. So we arrived in uh, New Delhi, you know, completely arsehole. <laughs> got a bus to the hotel to be met by, this is three o'clock in the morning, to be met by three Indian musicians dressed as Mexican bandits singing Home on the Range. (laughs) It's it's as true as I sit here. And they all gave us that little red bindi, but they all gave us the bindi and they put garlands around the neck, which flowers which were full of insects so we took them off straight away went to bed thought right we'll get up and adjust the clock and we'll start the day so we get in the lift and i've got a team tracksuit top on and whoever i was rooming with i had one on as well and uh, this american bloke said say you guys you're a sports team we said yeah it's a great time to arrive we said why he said gandhi's just been assassinated (laughs) It's a great time to arrive. About, That's an unusual, <laughs> unusual way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you've arrived just in time for Gandhi's assassination. <laughs> about, about <laughs> ten miles down the road, and very quickly. Well done. Uh, we could. <laughs> Indira. It was Indira Gandhi. Not. I'm not that old. It wasn't my hat, man. Anyway, so we went for breakfast, and then there was a, a gym at the top of the hotel. We went up there, and all we could see were fires. They'd set fire to schools, petrol stations. And because our hotel was in more or less the army quarters, people were being evacuated to our hotel. Long story cut short, we it was decided we would go to uh, Sri Lanka for two weeks. After the funeral, we would go to Sri Lanka for two weeks because that was a period of mourning. And we went on the president of Sri Lanka's jet and we got three quarters there and we drank the plane dry. <laughs> 
So we we spent two weeks in Sri Lanka, played a couple of games, flew back to Bombay to, to a new schedule. Um, 48 hours before the first test match, we went to the Deputy High Commissioner's cocktail party, Sir Percy Norris. We left there at midnight and at 8 a.m. in the morning, he was machine gunned to pieces. So our manager, Johnny Brown, in his wisdom, said we're going to practice. So we drove past the exact spot where he, where supposedly Norris was killed, went to the ground practice and decided we'd play the following day. So it was it was a bit weird, really, to, to say the least, because we there was a lot of anti-British feeling because it had been the Sikhs bodyguards that killed her, and the Sikhs had been on British television two weeks earlier having a go at Gandhi. So we were sort of like core conspirators, if you like. Um, but we got through it. But it, it was a weird, weird. Your, your strength and conditioning check. Coach, that sounds like Johnny Vegas. I mean, you're basically going from one enormous piss up to the next. Was it? We didn't have a strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> we didn't. We, we didn't. We didn't have a coach. We didn't. We just. We had a team manager who was a lunatic, <laughs> and we had Norman Gifford, who was a, the assistant manager who smoked smoked a pipe and did fielding practice. And that was it. Jumpers with goalposts. Yeah. Yeah, fisherman sweater. Physiotherapist called Thomas who refused to give anybody a massage. <laughs> Humphrey, who was the scorer. Humphrey. Who, well, that's what we called him. <laughs> Jeffrey Soles, isn't it? Why'd you call him Humphrey? Because he looked like one. Oh. Was, oh. And he he just used to spend his well, I don't say where he spent his days off, but it, and that was it. That was all we had. We had to carry our own bags and do a lot. They don't make them like they used to anymore. So now let's fast forward to you know the present day cricketer. So the comparisons there: 2021, the Indian team have cried off home back to India. Uh, Finney, I mean, you guys, you get your your massages, your ice baths, your your batting coach, your bowling coach, your fielding coach. You don't realise how lucky you lot have it, do you? I know, and the game's gone backwards as well. I don't I don't quite understand how that's possible, given um given all of the help that we get. Bowlers bowl a lot slower now, obviously. <laughs> We've had that debate a few times. <laughs> um well, you, have to, you have to remember I played in the era of Lily Thompson, Holden, Marshall. Garner, you know, there were, there were a lot of genuinely quick balls around. And they all played county cricket, more or less. But, I mean, if you're a county batsman now, who do you face? Well, Stephen Finn. Well, for, for what, if you're lucky, he's, Finney. He's I not, mean, he's, he's hardly he's in the a, team. He's hardly in the team. He's a good baller. You're a good baller, Finney. Always have been. <laughs> but you're, you're not fucking Jeff Thompson, Pace, are you? What did you ball at? Late, late what? 70s? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I only did that. I did that on purpose. What did you ball at? Late, late, mid to late 80s? No, yeah, I, I'm probably more mid 80s these days. I have, yeah. I've notched up over 90 miles an hour for a few years and then, yeah. and then yeah, my body decided it was it's seen enough of that. Who who balls at 90 miles an hour now in county cricket? No, well, the crickets, everyone plays on a pudding. So that's why everyone just... That's why guys who are forty plus are playing. So how do you get how do you get a decent young opening batsman coming through who's going to be equipped to play Test cricket? 
You can't oh, it's get very, them. that's why they're all very, like very techniques. difficult. Yeah, they encounter very different conditions in the two. So, yeah, you'd argue, and there's a lot of noise at the moment, isn't there, about people being underprepared when they go and have to face highly skilled fast bowling in test match cricket yeah. on good wickets. Yeah, they're definitely certainly very different skills and, and your ability to score runs. But the ECB doesn't give a monkeys about county cricket, does it? You play, what, seven games at the beginning, seven games at the end. So they don't play on decent wickets in June, July and August, more or less. So, you, one, you're not going to develop decent techniques. You're not, And also, bowling on those wickets, you develop a lot better because if you bowl rubbish, you get hit. And also, where are the spinners coming from? So if they want county cricket to make test cricket, is they're going about it the wrong way? Or what we could ask Vinny, because you started Vinny at a time when actually they did play county yeah, cricket. Yeah, Vinny's been brought up properly. So, exactly. So have you have you seen a difference and a degradation in the quality of batting across county cricket in the last oh, few well, years? I think since that, it's I changed think it's hard to yeah. Well, I think it's hard to just put all the blame on the batters. I think the pitches do have a lot to answer for, for the way that the games go. I mean, if you look at the scores this week, it's 120 plays 140, plays 150, and then it's just a straight shootout. Um, whereas last week, the game that Middlesex played against Sussex was one on probably as close to a test match pitch that you could hope for. It was flat for the first two days. It still had carry and bounce in it. And then it spun and became harder to bat increasingly as the game went on into the final two days, which actually are the sort of pitches that you will, people will be able to compile big hundreds. And I know that game was extreme. Tom Haynes, Sam Robson, Mark Stoneman, Robbie White all made hundreds in that game, which when I first started in 2000 and between 2005 and 2007, and then 2007 is when I played championship cricket consistently there were a lot more high scores. Like my first few games, we played in games where there was 600 scored, 500, consistently over 400. And now I'd say that's an absolute rarity mm. for a team to go and compile an innings like that. Um, so it's harder to decipher, I think, who the real test quality players are because they're just not playing on the right wickets. There's a very good point there. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about Darren Stevens on this podcast because he's an absolute legend and he's, you know, he's been incredible. But... Darren Stevens probably shouldn't be taking all the wickets that he's taking at the age of 46. And I saw Tim Murtagh again, who's been absolutely incredible for Middlesex. Uh, he reached 50 wickets in a county championship season for the ninth time in his career, which is an incredible achievement. That's not taking anything away from Tim Murtagh or Darren Stevens, but that's probably not going to help the England test team much. I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously Tim would help the Irish test team at one point, but it's not going to help the international team much if, we're relying on 40-year-old blokes bowling little dibbly dobblers to take all your wickets in the county season because that's not really going to work when you go to India and places like that. But my question is, with the opening batsmen, I appreciate the conditions they bat in, opening the batting in England, are as difficult as it gets and it puts in perspective how good Alistair Cook's ridiculous career has been. But surely then, when these guys do get into the England team and they don't have to play on those sort of wickets anymore, Shouldn't they find it quite easy to score runs on some of the pitches that you play around the world? And yet we've not been producing any top-order batsmen at all. I don't know, Foxy, if you've got a, a, a point of view on that. That should make sense. But you have to bear in mind, I played on uncovered wickets in 1987. The ball is run up to covered. Uh, there was just the from popping crease to popping crease left open. 
Right? So you go to Gloucester and you play against Sid Lawrence and Courtney Walsh on an uncovered wet wicket. So, you know, we had those conditions as well. And weirdly enough, I don't know why or how. I had my best ever year. I got 1,700 runs that year. But so we've had, we've had poor conditions as well. But we, were, we played against the best players in the world, whether they were batsmen or they were bowlers. And we had them in our team as well as the opposition. Mm. So you learn from the ones in your team and you learn how to play because you played against the others. I mean, mm. at Sussex, we had Imran Khan and Garth LaRue. You know, at, at Trent Bridge, it was Richard Adley and Clive Rice, Francis Stevenson. You went to Somerset, you had Joel Garner, Ian Baltham and Viv Richards. You know. So I don't think county cricket is as strong as it, as it was in, in, the, in the 80s, early mm. 90s. And you can't expect young players, be they batsmen, bowlers or spinners, to develop unless you're playing with and against the best. And I think it's sad. I do think it's yeah. sad. And the okay, other and, but who, so how successful was the test team in that time? Was it very successful? Uh, no, I think the biggest thing that made a difference to the, to the test team, well, well, we won in India in 84, 85, uh, 85, 86, they won the Ashes. Oh, no, that, sorry, that was 86, 87. And 85. Yeah, and eighty-five. So we we weren't Yeah, and eighty-one. We weren't too bad. You know, we we did win series. Basically, they lost it. They lost against the West Indies, which is possibly the single greatest sports team that's ever walked the face of the planet. I mean, from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety-five, they didn't lose a series. Yeah, fifteen years didn't lose. Lost a Test match now and again. Never lost a series. So it, it was it was a different era. Plus, we didn't get. The thing would be that you'd leave a test match on Tuesday and play for your county on Wednesday. Mm. So Ian Bolton had to open the ball in at, at Somerset mm. following that test match. So that didn't help them. And that, that was a ridiculous aspect. Mm. That was so central contracts have helped enormously for the bowlers, for like Jimmy and people and Stuart Broad. But it's also and I don't know how you want to balance it, it's denied county cricketers playing against them people. Mm. Plus, there's another aspect. I, I spent 18 years coaching at Durham University. I started the Central Excellence and stayed there. And lads weren't interested in the latter years. They weren't interested in learning how to play first-class cricket. They wanted to be able to get 70 or 30 balls because that's where the money is. Mm. You know, they all wanted to be IPL players. I mean, why would you spend basically about eight, nine years learning how to play the first-class innings when you can just learn to biff it out the park and, if you're good enough, get selective and make a fortune? So there's that aspect as well. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of, lots of different issues around cricket at the moment. Finney, I've got yeah. to ask you because you obviously you see these, these young guys coming through at Middlesex and, and do they tend to be white ball cricketers now or are there still the odd traditional player coming through? Well, I'd say the, the big difference for me is just the awareness of what people are capable of in white ball cricket. So when I was, when I joined the academy at Middlesex when I was 13 or 14, so almost 20 years ago now, 
it, the, the focus was always, always on developing a good first-class game. So the bowlers would try and hit a good length and the batters would try and not get out. And your entire game would be based on that. And then if you developed a white ball game, it was just add-ons on top of your solid first-class game. Whereas now, one of the things that I've seen, and similar to what Foxy said there, is the fact that the young guys now, they come in and they're 17, 16, 17, they're bowling at the first team in the nets. And where I would just run up and try and bowl a good length, these guys are bowling Yorkers, slower balls, slower ball bounces. They've got all of these different deliveries in their locker, which then means that all of the time that I spent and the guys that I practiced with spent developing that good, strong first-class game that gives you the foundation to be good at that. They've got a lot of other things that that are, that are also an equal priority now because I think that it's fair to say that all the formats, white ball and red ball, are given an even footing when players are growing up. And obviously young people are more enticed and excited about hitting the ball miles or bowling the ball quick and bowling a good Yorker. And especially with the success of the white ball side in the last few years and the guys that you watch playing that, Stokes, Butler, Morgan, Roy, Bairstow, you know, you've got all these guys who are incredible white ball players. Kids see that and they want to emulate it. So I think yeah. there's a number of different things that are counting against first-class cricket being the primary focus of young people coming through in the UK. The, the fact how, is, how, does it, how does a county sign up just a white ball player? How do they know? How did he do it? How would they sign just a white ball player? Yeah. How would they identify somebody who's worth signing as just as a white ball player? Well, I think you have to... It's going and putting yourself out there as in performances. I'd say also one of the things that's come at the detriment of first-class cricket is probably the standard of second-team cricket. Um, one of the things that I I hear a lot of the older guys say is how strong some of the second teams were that you played in or played against. And now there's a lot of trialists playing second teams because of the financial constraints on the counties. They they have to field a lot of trialists and a lot of youth players. So your way in as a white ball specialist would be if you're coming in with no reputation is to go and do things in the second team. And I'd say now, if you're a trialist, if you're a guy who plays league cricket and just has a big swipe, um, and can connect to a few. If you go and tear up a few second team games, teams would be more inclined to um, to get you in. And I think those opportunities are probably okay. more so now than they would have been twenty years ago. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. We yeah, say yeah. this. Can I just That's just point out that, 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 we, that we we say all this, and and all of it makes total sense. But England's probably just unearthed a red ball specialist in Ollie Robinson, who's been playing in the county cricket. He's what twenty six years old, and he's been around the county setup. And he's come in this year and he's taken 20, what is it, 28 wickets mm. in his first five matches. He's only four wickets behind the most ever taken in the first five matches by an England player, which I believe is Nick Cook, left-arm spinner in the 1980s. Um, he's up there with you know the likes of Frank Tyson. He's a really, really exciting prospect and he's banging out a county length, exactly the sort of length you're talking about, Finney, isn't he? I mean, he's... he's and he's... And he's the archetypal perfect, he's the bowler that you want to see. So while we feel this gloom and doom around what may be happening, a 26-year-old's just played five test matches and taken 28 wickets and banged I out county length. And no disrespect, Finney, I think it's easier to learn to be a good bowler 
Because if you've learned to put that ball where you should put it, the guy at the other end, sooner or later, will make a mistake. Where as a batsman, you can only react to what you're given, and that seems to take longer to develop. I just think that's, that, that's a fact. Because we have to deal with everything. We can only react to what's bold to us, what the pitch is like. You run up um, mechanically, just for easy conversation, you mechanically let it go. Nine times out of ten, how many wickets do you you get from batsmen playing at a wild one or missing a straight one? How many, how many do you actually get where you pitch it middle and hit the top of the I, I think basically he's saying that batting's way harder than bowling for him. That's what I'm hearing. I think, I think it's I think no, it's I think what, I feel what Foxy's saying is that I don't bowl good balls. I just get them caught at no, fine no, no, leg no. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not what I'm saying. I said no, I, respect. no, I get it. I get it. I get it often from these two, Foxy. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just... Don't, don't, there's an... An enormous I'm joking, in, Foxy. I'm joking. There's an enormous <laughs> amount of skill in what you do, but just not as much as what I did. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would say, though, you're mentioning there, because I take your point, Foxy, that there is a certain repetition to being a bowler and hitting a length. But what about the modern bowler, the white ball bowler, who has to learn where the hell he's got a bowl to A.B. de Villiers or one of these players oh, that the can match-ups. hit 360 yeah, yeah. degrees. I mean, oh, I ag- I the agree. modern white ball bowler needs to have... You can't just bowl length yeah, in white ball we, cricket. What my conversation with Finney was first ass cricket. Right, OK. If we okay. switch to white ball Got cricket, you. yes, I, can, I completely agree with you. Mm, yeah. Um, but I still reckon... Uh, did you play against Ian Austin, Finney? No, I don't think so. No, you just missed him, no. Ian Austin uh, still holds the record at Lancashire for most wickets in a Sunday league. And we've had Wazzy Macram, we had Michael Oldham for a year, we've had Patrick Patterson. And Ian Austin, because all he ever did was break your fucking toes. And he could, he could bowl them at will. Now, I've yet to see somebody get the better of somebody who can bowl six Yorkers in an over. Mm. But I do agree the skill level that's gone up, the skill level in, in that's been brought about by the white ball is phenomenal. You know, just the striking, the variations, some of the fielding. I mean, it's gone up notches and notches. And I take my hat off. I take my hat off to the best white ball players these days. It's incredible. The thing as well, I think the thing that we're not really saying is the fact that England are white ball 50 over world champions and yeah. number one in the world at T20 and yeah. one of the favourites going into this tournament uh, in the UAE, which actually until three or four years ago when that team started building towards that point, England was a bit of a laughing stock, an outdated laughing stock yeah. in white ball cricket. So yeah. there are balances to be had. Um, and because when we were a good test team and we were poor and we got drilled in 50 overs and T20 stuff, Everyone was saying, "How do we change that around?" You know, so it's going to to and fro. I think. There's, there's the an time. interesting thing for me. Yes, we are fifty over world champions, but all our current best players are playing in the hundred. Would you agree with that? Are or aren't playing in the hundred? Are are playing in the hundred? So they're not playing in the. Is it the London Assurance Cup? It's now called uh, the, the fifty Royal over London. one. Yeah, so the Royal London. Royal London. So they're not playing in that. So there is a chance that by the time the next World Cup comes around, 
our best players won't have played a single 50 over game. Hmm. I think those skills transcend, though. The the hundred, the way that the 50 over game is going, I do think that they transcend across across formats there. But yeah, I understand there's still an element of building an innings. Also, though, you know, actually, if you look at how many Australian players or Indian players or Pakistani players play in 50 over tournaments or West Indian players, for that matter, play in 50 over tournaments domestically, none of them do. Mm. New Zealand probably is, is the place where you'll get it. And maybe it's no coincidence that that's why they were in the final with England. But most top level players who are going to play in their 50 over side play next to no 50 over cricket. Isn't that right? Well, and, and this and that ties into what we were talking about earlier as well. As you know, I, we, I think we all agree that the county, the county four day game is not designed to produce a great England test team at the moment. But Nowhere in the world really is because the schedules are so busy and there's so much bloody money in the white ball game that the big players don't have time to play four-day games. You know, the old things of going on tour and playing for a county in the country of the tour that you're about to play and we're getting a few games to get used to the conditions. There's no Those days will never return. There just isn't space in the, in the calendar. So, so instead... Darren Milan came into the England side off the back of two four-day games in two years. One of them we got 199 in, and he scored 71 in his first innings. So, you know, because everybody is coming off the back of not playing much red ball cricket, it's all it's all sort of equalised. Mm. You know, we, we, we obsess over the idea of this wonderful time when Foxy was around, when they played three-day cricket well, the played championship the, we, or the whole time while you're over, selecting due players. To, due, to over, due to over it, we played a four-day game in three days. Yeah. We had to bowl oh. 18 and a half an hour. 18 and a half an hour. You modern cricketers, yeah. that's another thing that you you guys have let slip as well, Finney. You've got lots to answer for, you modern cricketers. 18 and a half overs an hour. They do about 12 now, if you're it's lucky. He's got, he's got a ridiculously long run-up. <laughs> I've shortened it. I've shortened it recently, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was as long as Michael Oldham. No, he used to have someone hold the gate no. open for a bit, Lords, didn't he? I mean, there's there's no way. No no modern coach would let Michael Holden keep that run up. They'd be like, come on, mate, we can shave 10 pages off this, surely. Well, because of the fines that you get, his teammates would say, no, mate, you're costing us 20% every game. Sort that out. We used to have a 15-yard run-up in Sunday leagues, right? Michael Holden played a few games for us in Sunday league. He could bowl just as fast off 15 yards. Of course he could. There's no so way... I... That- he needed that So run. I said to him, I said, why did you go off that long run? He just said, I like the rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And you could see him going like that. Oh, also, it did look quite cool, didn't it? It looked quite cool. Oh, the, the, the theatre was amazing. Yeah. Now, I want to talk very quickly, Foxy, because I will let you go, because I appreciate it's Sarah's birthday. And even this, is, this isn't the best birthday I'd imagine she's ever spent, but I'm sure it can pick up once we hang up on this call. But I want to ask you about, you know, the nutritional aspect and the fitness aspect of the modern day player. Did you want to score 100 after having six pints? Against the West Indies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was... Brought up in a, a drinking culture. We didn't get paid a lot. We had a lot of fun, right? So I'd actually gone out that night, uh, night before the, the Lord's Test match, 1984, against the West Indies. In the first Test match, I think I got one and none. And it was written in all the press that I wasn't good enough to play at Test level. And I thought, well, if I have to play against this lot every week, I don't think I am. But... The night before, so I did what I normally did. 
and I went out and I, I probably had four, four or five pints of Guinness. Fine. Go back to my room. And, and unusually, I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I was pacing the floor. And this was like three in the morning. So I just thought, well, what would I rather be? Would I rather be absolutely stone cold sober in the morning and have no sleep? Or would I rather have another three pints of Guinness and sleep? So I made the call and I rang down to room service and I got three pints of Guinness sent up. And I drank them as if it was medicine. I downed them as fast as I could and I went to bed and slept. At the end of the first day, I was 70 not out. And the same thing happened. So I'd gone out and had four or five pints and I still couldn't. So I sent down for another three pints. <laughs> so I did. I did do that. I, I, I knew what my limits were, I think. You know, I mean, with dram, you may not have been easy. I mean, if it's just the alcohol you need to get to sleep. Why? I mean, three whole pints of Guinness. I mean, think of the that you've got to do there. Because I'm a man. Well, I like Guinness. Well, you won't, you surely. Drambu, Whiskey, give maybe. No, no, I wasn't used to drinking that. It might have given me a dick. <laughs> so I did. Oh, I stuck to what that, I knew. See, that, that's where the sportsman in you. I stuck yes. to what I knew. <laughs> so I, I just, for in service, three times to Guinness, please. It's good nutrition, isn't it, Guinness? That's, that's what we yeah, always say as bowlers. Do a day in the field. University finished. I've done a study on what is the best drink to have after extended period of exercise, and they used water, milk, and beer, proper beer, you know, like a bitter. And the one that came out on top, beer, because it's a why. Well, it's because it's way better than water because there's fuck all in water. (laughs) (laughs) Fish pissing it, and that's it. Milk. That wasn't was okay, but it wasn't great. But beer was the best thing for you. That so is at the end, nutrition coaching for you. Can we clip that and send that to the S and C's? Yeah, Keel University. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard from uh, a physio we had at Old Trafford was um, he banned tea and coffee from the dressing room. Why? Did you what? Because it, <laughs> it dehydrates you. Did you what? So it dehydrates you. I said, no, it doesn't. It's a diuretic. And I've been to university, and this was part of my studies. I said, no, it, it's a diuretic. It may make you piss more, but it doesn't dehydrate you. No one has ever had half a pint of tea and gone and pissed a pint. It doesn't, so you're talking absolute rubbish. <laughs> All right, so we we got tea and coffee back in the dressing room again. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a twelve man's job every night to make a list. Well, they used to do beer at Derby, didn't they? The tea they used to have a tin of beer was, at Derby. There was, there was yeah. beer beer on the table at Edinley yeah. at lunch. There's a couple of grounds. There's a couple of grounds that still do the drinks list. So yeah. uh, I think Northamptonshire and Leicestershire, you get to do a drinks list at the beginning of the day, and the dressing room attendant will bring up. Um, and both actually, incidentally, at those two grounds, they wear like umpire's coats and a bloke comes up with a tray. And I'd imagine 20, 25 years ago, there'd have been 12 pints of Guinness or beers coming up on the trays. Now it's yeah. Lucasade, yeah, uh, lime and lemonade. Shit. You might have a no couple way. of the older blokes will have a beer, but yeah, you're, you're youngsters now. No way. <laughs> no. And, the, and, the, and the worst off, 
Here, Foxy, I've got a question for you, and then and then we will let you go. But mate, you've been an absolute legend. You don't legend. have to let me go. I'm, I'm quite opposite. No, we're trying to do forty-five minutes. All right, time. all right. <laughs> but but yeah, we'll get you, we'll get you back on, Foxy, because you've been superb. But I've got to ask you a question. So you mentioned there, you know, you didn't get paid much back then, so you you had a lot of fun. Um, people like Chris Morris got one point six million for a few weeks in the IPL. Would you yeah. would would you trade the career that you had, the fun that you had, for the money these modern day players make? No, 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 I wouldn't. No. Hold on, lads. My downstairs neighbour's being burgled. One second. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. <laughs> oh, my God. No, what? No, I, w- I wouldn't. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Can we just pause? Can we just answer the question in a minute, Foxy? But we've just lost Philly because he's gone downstairs to intervene in a burglary. Right. So presumably when he says my downstairs neighbor's being burgled, he, he can't mean my downstairs neighbor is in at the same time. So he must be hearing a burglary and he's gone down as an act of public spiritedness or, you know, I don't know what I'm saying, unprofessionalness, mm. leaving the podcast yeah. to go and sort out a burglary. Um, also, if he was professional, he, he, he must know this is down. gold. He could have he could have brought the laptop <laughs> down with him so that we could at least hear what was happening. Ah. Yes. <laughs> He's... My lord, as you can mm. see from this podcast, he was stealing the television. <laughs> he's, he's, he's new to broadcasting, he's been, he's, he doesn't understand what it is that he needs to do. He's a braver man than me. I wouldn't go down and intervene in my neighbour. <laughs> I hope your neighbour doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> if... His neighbour lives about half a mile away. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, here's Finney. Here's Finney. Hang on. Fuck me. What just what happened? Was, no, you know, people are going around doing the catalytic converters underneath cars at the moment. Right. It's literally, it's not even late, is it? Well, it's 10 o'clock. It sounded like it was like pneumatic saw going on downstairs. I looked out the window. There's three blokes with balaclavas and crowbars what? looking up at me in my flat. Um, so I didn't shout out the window at them because I shat my pants. Um <laughs> And then, and yeah, so they're there, they've winched the car up and nicked the catalytic converter from underneath the car and, and just pegged it out the road. Oh, shit. Did you get a photo of them? No, mate, they were literally three of them with crowbars, like, looking up into my balcony. So I was like, I'm not fucking oh, doing anything here. Days. Yeah. Wow. I thought you were going to come back, like, battered and bruised like a hero, but no, you just looked at them, shot with one burger, up. <laughs> one burger on each shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, t- I tell you, Tim Murta would have stopped them. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you don't. <laughs> I'm guessing you don't. You don't live in the countryside. No, in central London, that's it's not ideal. So it's just so brash. There were like people walking past on the road, like what? just. And there was the the guys were like standing guard with crowbars there, almost saying as if if you walk towards us, we're just going to batter you with a crowbar. Yeah, what do you What do you get for a used cattle converter? Oh, fair bit these days. I think they're actually a decent, a decent amount. I can, I can get, I can get, I can get twelve, fifty, thirteen hundred for one. No trouble really? at all. Oh, uh, sorry. All <laughs> that, all that money you missed out on the IPL, Foxy. We'll go, we'll go make it on catalytic converters. No, he's he's talking about paralytic converters. That's why. <laughs> but no, answering your question, would I have changed it for now? No, because I think that's a pointless thought process, really. I because I love what I did the era I played in and and I'm not a you know when people say if I only knew then what I know now I think that's points as well 
because you make the best decision at the time with all the information that you've got. Some of the decisions are probably appalling. Some of them were. But no, I, I, I was happy with what happened. Uh, I was happy for, with my career. You know, y- yes. And I, I, to be honest, I, I played because I loved it. Mm. You know, I mean, yes, I'd probably have the opportunity to earn a lot of money now, but I don't care. I had a great no. time. Yeah. Because I, I was the first person to get a double hundred in India. Now, did you get that 200 against India with a broken neck, or have I made that up? No, that's true, but I didn't know it was broken. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I played all my test career with a broken neck, but didn't know. The funny story about that, though, is weren't you asleep during the last over of the day when Mike Gatting played it out? Oh, I, the second day of my innings, I was 149 not out. Last over, Gat sweat one first ball. And it, it just trickled down to Batman Square. He was walking towards it. I was walking down the wicket and I got halfway and got was standing there. So I said, I said, what are you doing? I said, don't you want a single? Last over of the day, he said, look, you get back. You've done enough today. So I went back. So I thought, right, I've got five balls to count. <laughs> so I didn't take my gloves off or my hat off because I just thought that was disrespectful to Gap. But I just stood. I didn't back up. I stood with my back in between the feet and I had my head down and I just Looked up when the ball was bowled, and that was it. And I thought I only have only have to count to five. I got to three, and the umpire said over. <laughs> I'd, I'd fallen asleep. <laughs> I had actually fallen asleep with the non-strike. I've never heard that. And story. The first, in a test match, in a, yeah, test, in match. a test match, and the first thing uh, I got off the pitch, and everybody. Slaps you back and stuff. And he gave me a bottle of beer. I lost half a stone during that innings. They gave me a bottle of beer. I had two mouthfuls and I was pissed as a parrot because <laughs> I was so dehydrated. <laughs> See, that dehydrates you 100, 200 against India. Uh, Finney, um, before we say goodbye, what are you going to do now? Have you called the police? Have you done anything? Not yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I'm going to go down and have a look. He's got a catalytic converter on Did he bear? Tell me, you at least filmed them. Tell me you did that. No, like, look, all my... Okay, look, I'm going to show you now. All my living room lights are on. Yeah. So, like, the, the three men were stood. Like, okay, this is my, that's my memento. I picked up from Lords today for playing for Middlesex for 17 oh, years. Oh, that's that's nice. Oh, we didn't mention that. We should have done a bit more. Oh, well, if the burglars are listening, that might be worth a few bob as well. No, <laughs> no. Okay, so, so you see oh, the car. See, oh, there's your window. Yeah. Oh, oh. Wow. oh so, yeah, the one on the, the the black car on the right was yeah. um, literally just sounded like they were sound. Well, fuck knows what it sounded like, but it sounded like it was an the aeroplane. Yeah, it was an angle grinder. Yeah. Yeah, because and, they, um, you can get battery powered angle grinders now. No. Right. But so I was basically stood at the window. Foxy I was stood seats. at the window there with all the lights on with three blokes stood underneath my balcony looking at me with balaclavas on and one had a crowbar up over yeah. his back like that as if to say you come down you're getting smashed so so I hope you, I hope you just wished them luck and, and, yeah. and sent them on their I was way like, yeah <laughs> hope you get a couple of hope you get a couple of grand lads and leave the one on the left alone because that's my yeah. fucking part <laughs> well done lads oh, <laughs> unbelievable they, I mean, giving them a round of applause yeah <laughs> this is a man who's faced some of the fastest bowling in the world at test level and he can't even stand up to three blokes of a crowbar it's 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 unbelievable 
Well, well Finney, your, your neighbours are lucky to have you, mate. Are, are they in? <laughs> Do they know that they've been robbed yet? I don't know whether I can got the heart to go down and tell him I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope they don't listen to the podcast. Finney, I have to say, I'm I'm with you. I would have done fuck all. Of <laughs> Thank you, Foxy. Well, I think I think I think I can I can think I can speak for everybody on this podcast when we say yes. We yeah. all would have done. Oh, fuck I would have done well. absolutely yeah. nothing. Three, three men of a crowbar, just one bloke with a crowbar, I'd have been out of there. So yeah, no, oh, good good call, Finney. Plus you're, this you're is the... broken Britain. This is broken Britain right in front of your ears, really, ladies and gentlemen. Is... <laughs> the four of us on this call are the reason this country's going down the toilet. <laughs> uh, right, chaps, I will let you all go. However, very quickly, I should point out that we have got our first ever live podcast happening Saturday 13th of November at 5pm at the Odeon in Leicester Square, London. Tickets, online. Tickets are online now. Uh, we're really looking forward to that. We're going to work out what the hell we're going to do to make it a hell of an event. But Saturday, 13th of November, if you or anyone that you know loves this podcast, or you think it'd be a good early Christmas present or something like that, uh, we'd love to see as many of you there as possible. Dan's holding up his finger, which normally means he's got something fascinating to tell us. Well, all I wanted to say was that th- that's all great news, Toby. It really is. But I think the greatest news of the week is that the world record for mancads was broken in a match between Cameroon and Ugandan women when Ms. MF Duma pulled off four mancads in one match. Four mancads. Now, right, I know the cricket world is split on this subject and I don't want us to spend any time talking about it, but I just wanted to get off my chest that if you're anti-mancad, I totally get it. But... When the fourth person in your team's yeah. getting man-cadded, it's surely their fault at that point. <laughs> <And> the <ace. laughs> I mean, I mean, that, that's you're one, you're one wicket away from getting a jug there. So that's that's, just, that's good bowling. That's good bowling. That's good bowling. That's a, by the way, they still lost by 157 runs because uh, she took four man-cads out of an innings of 192 in 20 overs and was then. One of a victim of a hat trick victims. She was the first in a hat trick um, uh, as her side were bowled out for 35. So, look, she's just a genius. And one day we need to do a special podcast on MF yeah, Duma. We need, we need to we get need her on the programme. We get her, need to get her on the programme. Could you, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Get on the Lord's Honours board five man counts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. I mean, in my club, ultimate. three run outs counted as a jug. So, a five, I mean, four, yeah. she's already in seriously big territory. If I if, if you take if you take five man cards, do you hold the ball up to the crowd and lead the team <laughs> off the pitch at the end of the day? You hold the ball and you bail up. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when you're doing your live one, at Leicester, is it Leicester Square? Yes, yes, the one. Zoom me in. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, we'd love to. Why don't you come and join us, Foxy? Just come and join us. Come and join when us, Foxy. Thirteenth of November. If you're not listening, thirteenth of November tickets at twenty-seven pounds fifty. It's a snip. I think I've got a plumber coming in the morning. <laughs> Typical. Yeah, I'm well. If I'm around, I mean, it's your podcast. It's not mine. Well, we'd, yeah, love, to have, we'd love to have you yeah. there, Foxy. We'd love to have you yeah. there. 
Uh, champs, this yeah. I've laughed a lot during this podcast. It was the most shambolic start, and uh, and, 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 it, and it continued on that theme throughout, and it culminated in Finney watching three blokes make his neighbours catalytic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I, I, we always said we didn't want to be just another cricket podcast, and I think we've proved it. Chaps, lovely to see you. I'll, I'll see you next week, Foxy. Uh, get back to your wife's birthday. I forgot about that. That's oh, been going well, on this whole time. She's Cheers, asleep, lads. She's took her. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>